Welcome to The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a bite-sized podcast series here to demystify the journey of entrepreneurship with in-real-life advice from industry experts who are in the business of the build. In the midst of creating entrepreneurial projects of their very own and finding their way in the world of biz. Learn, laugh and dream big with good humans doing great work and get inspired to build an entrepreneurial journey of your own. This podcast is an initiative of Alibaba, Australia, New Zealand, the global technology company and is produced by The Peers Project, where progressive podcast dreams are brought to life. Hey, builders, and welcome back to another episode of The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a guide to finding a way in the world of biz. In this episode, we'll be exploring the importance of service based on the Alibaba Group's cultural value, customers first, or kuhuti. Today, we're joined in this conversation by John O'Loughlin, Director of Alipay in Australia and New Zealand, an integral part of the Alibaba Group. Taking responsibility for the Alipay business in 2019, John has focused on building a leading local team, combining professionals from the payment sector as well as deep industry experience to best serve Chinese Alipay users and retailers across Australia and New Zealand. For those who don't know, Alipay is a super app designed to offer a bouquet of services to bring convenience into everyday life. Alipay's offerings span from allowing users to make payments, manage finances, choose a suitable insurance scheme, hail a cab, or even order in from a favourite restaurant. Alipay is the most widely used third-party online payment service provider in China, with over a billion active users. Its primary product is a digital wallet, Alipay Wallet, which also includes a mobile app that allows customers to conduct transactions directly from their mobile devices. Alipay is a must-have payment method for any business looking to reach a critical mass of Chinese shoppers, both home and abroad. Welcome, John. Hey, good morning, Michelle. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Perfect. Look, John, please take the mic and share with us in your own words who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Okay. Well, just to uh, make sure everyone's very clear, I'm a Kiwi. I traded up and married an Aussie. Met someone up in Beijing about 10 years ago, and uh, having spent about half my life overseas, decided to come back down under. I had some familiarity with Alibaba, obviously living in China. You know, it's pretty impossible not to go by your day without coming into something to do with the ecosystem, uh, whether you're shopping or using services or having reviews, etc. And so it was a fascinating opportunity presented by the Alibaba Group when they were looking to really build out their Australian New Zealand business. As with everything in the Alibaba world, back to your original comment, you know, customer first. And so I'd spent a lot of my career helping New Zealand SMEs and, and a few Aussie companies demystify China and get through all the hurdles to get into that market. And so a lot of what we do today with Alipay is working with entrepreneurs, SMEs, local government, uh, the best ways to interact with a new generation of, of Chinese consumers, being able to you know help organizations here understand the unique and different cohorts of consumers that are in China and then allow them to engage with the marketing uh, of those amazing brands and 
a lot of these are, are you know digital native brands out of australia more recently some are newer brands that are built for china specifically with heritage and dna from australia and new zealand um, and then other of them are you know classic establishment brands that have been part of the retail landscape in australia for a long time which you know chinese are very familiar with and really pine to to have those experiences i think the big change in the last 24 months is this morphing of the digital platforms and the brick and brick and mortar stores and this has become even more pivotal you know for australia's vibrant economy during this this covid era uh, so we've actually seen uh, a huge increase in interest in qr codes for example and alipay started out uh, using qr codes for payment long before they were familiar to this landscape in australia and Ironically, COVID has increased everyone's knowledge and comfort of using QR codes. Uh, so that's a you know a classic example of the bridging of you know the Chinese economy and the Australian economy and, and society together, and and we sit you know squarely in in the middle of that. It's absolutely fascinating, John. And I think you you just articulated that so well around the bridging of the digital economy and kind of brick and mortar, especially in the last twelve months. And I'm excited to dive into. Alipay today with you and just learn a bit more about kind of who who it's for and 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 kind of how it how it works. So I guess my first question is that, you know, who is Alipay specifically for and how does it work? Yeah, so it's important to understand the heritage and the history of of Alipay and it's obviously part of Alibaba Group and was founded in 2004 as the payment function or payment department effectively of Taobao which is the original B2C business of, of Alibaba Group in China. And there are you know, many, many, many Taobao users in Australia and New Zealand who still shop back on that platform. And now it has kind of morphed into the world's largest mobile wallet, something much broader supporting you know, the whole transformation of the service industry. So having started as a simple escrow system whereby you, know, you get something delivered from North China to South China in the early 2000s, the banking infrastructure is not as advanced. There's no PayPal. Um, not many Chinese are using credit cards. And, and so there's a lot of trust concerns between consumers, as there would be 10 years ago if you were using Gumtree and ordering something from Darwin and you lived in Hobart and you didn't have any mates in Darwin and you were concerned that the widget you had ordered might not work in Tasmania um, or people in you know the far north are not trustworthy and they make you know, poor poor quality product. That's really the the trust gap that was bridged by Alipay. So having Alibaba Group behind it imbues a lot of trust in the payment system. That's along the lines of you know using CBA or Visa or Mastercard or those brands that you trust inherently because you know they're secure. You know they're backed up with you know some funds sitting somewhere if things go you know sideways. So that's. You know, now coming up 15, 16 years of transaction history and heritage for people. And that's why they really, you know, trust Alipay in a lot more areas now than just ordering something on an e-commerce platform. So with a billion users for its primary wallet in China, now that app allows you to, you know, conduct any transaction through your day. So in the morning, you check your stock portfolio. Um, then you can do something with your health insurance. You can book a doctor appointment. You get into your DD car or your Uber and you're using your Alipay. Um, you then go to the 7-Eleven and you just swipe something on the QR code, which is effectively the same experience as NFC, 
And we're quite respectful. You know, you shouldn't forget that Australia was a pioneer in the pay wave world with MasterCard and the Australian banks really, um, you know, starting NFC. So at the same time, the QR code was happening in, in China. And now with, you know, there's literally hundreds of millions of Chinese shoppers and tourists traveling around the world, uh, we're looking to replicate those services um, in markets all over the world for the Chinese traveler. And that's where we've had great support uh, from OTAs, from government tourist agencies, from David Jones, from Ozpost, from all the duty-free industry, Bridge Climb, um, you know, as well as all of the wonderful products here, Blackmore's, Swiss, A2, all the things you've heard about, Ugg Boots, et cetera. We also have a whole world of, you know, payment services now available in, in over 200 markets. Um, and so that's that's coming a long way in a, in a short base of time. And we've really had boots on the ground here uh, for the last five years and, and a wonderful team um, here in Sydney and in Melbourne and in Auckland. It's so interesting. And I think, you know, the fact that this one kind of system and method can allow you to do so many different things, you know, it's kind of almost unheard of to have you know, an app that allows you to do so many different things. You know, you talked about Alipay coming here about five years ago. What really inspired the expansion into the Australian New Zealand market? Well, back to the, the last part of the, the last question, those brands like Swiss and UGG and A2, the infant formula, the, the vitamins, the minerals, the supplements, the mother and baby, the merino wool, the honey, the cherries, you know, all that stuff that we all enjoy at, at Christmas time and, and as you grow up, um, that whole farm to plate story here, whether it's in a fresh product or something that's in a tin or a can or a jar, um, all of that stuff that is, you know, very high value um, and for Chinese historically very expensive to buy in China, um, anything you can ingest or put on your skin or wear or give to a baby um, you know, you want to have a high level of quality linked to that product. Um, and so Chinese, you know, look all over the world for these products, as does anyone in Australia and New Zealand. There are all sorts of European mother and baby brands that are very popular in Australia. And having had three children in quick succession, I am aware of a lot more of these brands than I was eight years ago. So the Chinese consumer is very educated on, you know, where is the good stuff throughout the world? Um, and, you know, Australia and New Zealand bat very, very high on that ranking of imports into China. So on the Tmall Global platform in China, which is really the premium uh, brands that are allowed to enter China under a kind of duty-free environment where you only pay the tax when you receive the goods, um, all of those brands uh, globally, you know, really come from Europe, North America, Japan, Korea, and Australia and New Zealand. Um, and so when you look at the annual rankings of where Aussie products sit, you know, it's hovering around fourth position um, for the last, you know, six or seven years, right behind Japan, USA and Korea. And last time I checked, those economies were much larger than Australia. Uh, and so we really bat, you know, above our weight and the Kiwis even more so on a per capita basis. No surprises there. Um and so together, as we run Australia and New Zealand, we have all of these great brands and now it's extended into, you know, organic lipstick and edible collagen and whatever it is, all sorts of food products, 
you know, um, children's snacks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and more, in a more recent times, women's fashion, uh, you know, things like Zimmerman, Sea Folly, Alice McCall, all of these, all of these sexy brands. Um, and now it's a it's a much larger long tail of brands that are popular with the Chinese. So when these uh, visitors and shoppers were originally coming here, and a lot of the students who lived here had a kind of side hustle in this area. Um, these were the brands that they knew about. They had uh, visibility on a Tmall Global store back in China, but it's still important for a visitor to come here, go to an offline location, and kind of have that proof of life moment. Wow! The same way that when you want to go and see Tory Burch in New York or buy your Gucci handbag wherever they're from, you know, I'm sure you're Instagramming yourself at the HQ flagship store next to whatever celebrity, you know, and so quite simply, it's that journey and that experience. And so for us, it's important to have that Alipay signage, you know, right in the front window, just like the Visa MasterCard signage, it gives the consumer comfort. They know they can get some loyalty points. They know they can get a very good foreign exchange rate. They know they might benefit from being a, a you know, a platinum user on the platform and then they can tie it into all sorts of other things. It's not just products. It's also regular day-to-day experiences, you know, going to some super special inner West soy latte factory or, you know, uh, like I mentioned, bridge climb or going up to the Hunter uh, for, for a vino. Um, Chinese, they love Asian food. They love Chinese concepts, but, you know, they always they also know who – Justin Hems is, and they also know what Rock Paul is. And, you know, we have this Pancakes on the Rocks restaurant, which, you know, has probably half their clientele, a young Chinese who like pancakes, you know, just like me at IHOP in Anaheim when I first went to Disney World. So that's a little bit of the of the demand, uh, you know, story for, for Alipay here. And I'm just trying to make it, um, a bit more colloquial for you, for your listeners, so that you can relate it back to you know your own behaviour as a consumer, because we're all consumers, um, and what we're driven by emotionally is not necessarily that different. You said that so so well done. For those of us who are young entrepreneurs, can you tell us a bit more about Alipay as a business opportunity for us? You know, how can we utilise this? Yes, certainly. And to everyone out there, you know, we've got a full team in in Australia and you can reach out to anyone uh, at any time. It's an amazing group of of young people experiencing traditional payments from the banks and the cards and the schemes, as well as people who have come from the e-commerce side and are all, you know, ardent consumers uh, themselves. So first, you know, do do reach out to us after this this podcast and, and be in touch. Um, in the most simple terms, getting exposure to Chinese users and consumers and visitors and shoppers is what we're about. Um, you know, with over a billion users, everyone has the app, right? So imagine, um, you know, you've got Instagram or you've got Facebook. Those are the types of numbers we're talking about. Effectively, we're getting you eyeballs and, and traffic um, and being on the homepage of the app and on various pages within the app gives your brand um, access to these consumers in an environment that they're really comfortable with. They might not, unless they've got good English, they might not be looking onto TripAdvisor. 
They might not be looking on their friend, their local Sydney friend's Instagram account who they went to university with back in Beijing, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very much, um, you know, a traffic eyeballs marketing tool. And then when you're on the app, there are various ways to be listed or recognized. And there's obviously, um, you know, really nice real estate on the homepage, which people like Chemist Warehouse and Gucci and other people use. But we also have... Um, all sorts of tabs and, and user experiences for diners, for example, uh, for restaurants and food delivery. Uh, we have city maps that allow you to go around, you know, the top 20 things that Chinese visitors like to see right now. And that rotates over time and changes. We'll have a Chinese New Year campaign that we fund uh, whereby the user, when they get to a location or a store, is tapping on their, an icon for a little hongbao or a red envelope or a red pocket, which you may be familiar with in Chinese New Year, and you get a little discount from us on that purchase. If you collect five of these and trade them amongst friends, uh, then you get an, a bigger discount or you get another exclusive experience. Um, and so, you know, that is very different behavior. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of table stakes for the Asian and Chinese shopper to behave in this way and access everything through a super app. And that's quite different to the Australian world whereby we're moving in and out of multiple apps all day long, uh, whether it's, you know, your New South Wales service app for COVID. You know, we have a whole COVID um, tool inside Alipay, which is used by people globally because it's trusted. Um, and then you might go to Afterpay for something and then you go back to Apple Pay and then you go to the CBA app and then you might buy something with, you know, new payment functionalities right out of your Facebook page. So we've kind of got it all in, in one spot and it's being able to understand and appreciate what works for your business best. That That's a little bit about how we want to appeal to the SMEs, the entrepreneurs and, and the brands in Australia and really help educate them on this journey because unless you've got a whole back office of buddies who went to UTS or um, you know, UNSW and your whole team are Chinese, good luck in trying to understand this. You know, I'd lived in China for 11 years, speak Mandarin badly, um, ran businesses there, but unless I've got, you know, real consumers in our team, we don't, we can't help you as much. Absolutely right. This is so insightful, John, but you're so right about that last point, you know, navigating this this new economy and this new world, especially the Chinese consumer and how they operate and how they think. And I mean, you've just done such a great job in explaining it to us. So a final question on this before we head on to talk about the cultural value is what motivates you to keep building and what are you currently building that we could look forward to seeing? Yeah, I mean, I think the the exciting thing for our team here is just being the evolution of the market itself in Australia. And we're always sitting on the sidelines saying, God, we hope this place speeds up and we hope there's some evolution and something new comes to market. But people kept telling us, you know, Paywave was the best thing in town. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's been around for about a decade. And then other people are like, oh, that came off the back of FPOS. And I was like, well, you know, I use that to, you know, kind of probably snag some money from my mother's wallet at the local dairy in New Zealand because you could use a pin code. I mean, I'm like, this is not, you know, groundbreaking innovation here, guys. Um, so, you know, when we came up with this QR code, uh, solution, uh, out of China and we tried to say, look, this is the native way that people are paying. 
um, you know, that's come full circle. And so we have these things called white boxes, which are basically uh, a little glass tablet that you put on a point of sale that recognizes the QR code. And if you go through any part of, um, you know, a Chinatown or a luxury brand, et cetera, these are standard kit inside these stores um, and, and very big, for example, in the fast food business with, with the Hungry Jacks or Burger Kings of the world in China. And so we are seeing that innovation uh, move into this market. Um, in a more pedestrian level, in terms of the technology we use here, you can use Alipay in, in, a, in a you know variety of ways. Um, a static QR code that's just copied onto a laminated lanyard you know, can be used by anybody. Um, and so we have a lot of cellar doors and on, in the wine regions that are just using that, basically just stuck onto a wall with a bit of blue tack and some nice branding. And it's pretty slick. People just scan by it and it reconciles itself um, at the end of the day. And um, they can work with a partner to, to get their payment and ship their wine, et cetera. Um, and then you can have a standalone device or a nice slick little tablet. And that's what a lot of the luxury guys do. Um, or you can have the whole system built in to the, to the pause, you know, more like a, like a pay wave. So just so people understand all of these systems are out there in the market with thousands of merchants and there are, you know, 20 or 30 payment partners, all the traditional people and, and travel and retail and shopping that you can call up tomorrow and they can get this going for you. Now I'd love to talk about and dive into a bit of a discussion about today's Alibaba cultural value. And that is customers first or John, what does this value mean to you and how have you implemented it into the best work practices for yourself and your team? Good question, Michelle. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to join Alibaba was the company culture. Having set up a few businesses in China and worked for some pretty large organizations that were very much driven by one of them founder culture and the other one kind of a partnership culture having some of the uh, very early Alibaba team members in this Australian New Zealand team, namely Maggie Joe and Scott Nee in Melbourne, um, allowed a lot of us here to kind of be ringside and very close to, you know, where this company culture sprung from. And, um, you know, there are these six values that are incredibly central to the business. And the one you mentioned um, is, is one that probably resonates most with most people, but I just want to extend it a little bit further because it's actually customers first, team second, um, you know, shareholders third. And having set up businesses myself, that's quite a good way to run things because if you look after the first two, then the third one's going to be looked after um, by themselves. And it's a little bit contrary to kind of the Western values perhaps of corporations or if you were to open the AFR each day and see the, um, you know, maniacal focus on results seasoned and quarterly earnings we tend to look a little bit further than that and think, you know, how can we keep the customer happy? Um, and so, um, you know, having, having been in the financial markets and the investment banking world previously, I can say hand on heart that the, the customer first approach is better than the investor first approach. And, and hopefully that's, that's coming to a lot more companies more quickly than it has been over time. Um, I think on a daily basis, you know, making sure you make the right decisions kind of in the in the wheelhouse of the leadership, um, again, has to come back to customers. Um, is, are, you doing, are you doing the right thing? Um, and we have a lot of rigid debate internally and particularly back in China um, about examining, you know, our own product and service offering in the mirror, 
um, and saying, is that what customers want? And then as a team in Australia and New Zealand, the value we have is is making sure that the teams in China appreciate, okay, what does the customer want when they come to this market versus what might they want when they go to Hong Kong and Macau? Because there'll be some nuanced differences around that. Uh, but then we also have our customers are the merchants and the brands and the partners. Um, and so, you know, we have to make sure that um, we are honoring their expectations in terms of how they work with their payment partners. And, you know, they've worked with payment partners for a long time, um, well before we turned up. And so there's a lot of humility in coming into this market and making sure that, um, you know, your, your, your customers on the, on the two, what we call the 2B side versus the 2C side on the business side um, are well looked after. Um, and so, um, you know, that's kind of on a daily basis how we look at it. And I think we're blessed with the fact that a lot of our team here across our cloud team and our e-commerce team are users of Alipay. Um, and so it's very easy for us to get a litmus test on, is this working? Um, is this tab loading quickly enough? Um, is that deal as good as our competitor's deal? Um, is it as good as the what's a deal in the local market? Are these metrics we providing the merchants on that campaign that we just did, um, you know, up to scratch in terms of what people would get from, you know, the big marketing agencies and and players in Australia. Um, and so that's really what customer first is um, every day, you know, making sure that they're getting what they want. If that means, I'll give you a great <laughs> example. If that means customers want a deal on a dozen or two dozen eggs, we'll do that. Um, you know, we've, we've moved into the fresh food category quite recently because in lockdown, that's what everyone wanted. They wanted fresh food, right? Um, and so we had these kind of nano deals on eggs and fresh produce and vegetables and then um, contactless delivery. I mean, we were very early on to that with the Chinese delivery players like um, Hungry Panda and Easy. And then we worked with our partners to be providing customers with hand sanitizer because, you know, the, the Chinese and Asian audience is even more conservative with their, with their behavior around COVID, which comes from living in big cities and lots of other societal differences. Um, and so, you know, we had to be really leading, leading the pack on that stuff. And that, that built a lot of loyalty with us. Um, some of those early moves back in uh, March, April, May last year. Mm. It's so fascinating. And, and I'm so glad you gave that example. I think, you know, it's, it's another thing that that Chinese consumer really values and you guys clearly hit the nail on the head with that one. So if we come to the close of today's episode, are there any final few things that you'd like to leave us with when it comes to this idea of customer first and Alipay? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, if you are a young uh, entrepreneur or, or running an SME or working in the marketing team of a large organization and possibly you don't feel confident that the people up top are understanding the, the Chinese market or, um, you know, a lot of the Asian markets, um, you know, that consumer is here. They're here because they're Aussie Chinese or Chinese Kiwis or whatever, and then they're not going away. Um, and so, you know, having that knowledge is valuable. But, you know, being able to demystify that, um, you know, it requires you to be friends, someone who's got Alipay and, you know, just go through it. We have an English version of Alipay for when you visit China, which makes your life in China a hell of a lot easier. 
Um, and that's been something that's been launched in the last few years with a huge amount of success. And we just link it to someone's credit card. But just being able to go through the app and, and understand it and walk through it, uh, you know, it's even English enabled and you can find people who have it. Um, and we have various webinars and many tools online for you to walk through that. It'll just really identify to you just how different the journey is. And so if you're interested in thinking about your consumer um, and, and how they shop and behave, you know, that's kind of table stakes in, in 2021 if, you, if you're serious about, um, you know, understanding this market. So, you know, talk, talk, talk to someone, you know, who, who's Chinese and, um, you know, probe them and ask them questions. Why do people like that app? Why are Chinese so obsessed with, you know, foreign exchange rates, the Aussie dollar and the renminbi, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and they'll explain to you that the big opportunities that are there when that shifts and changes and, and what people like to buy when the dollar's high or the renminbi's low, et cetera, et cetera. If you can, you know, really just delve into that, you know, you'll be a long way ahead of, of everyone else in the market because, you know, while the market is evolving, it's evolving faster in Asia. And I, I can promise you just the sheer numbers of people that are online, the evolution is going to be faster. It's not, is Asia better or is China better? It's just when you've got that many people online transacting and doing everything in a digital environment, different innovations are going to happen. And so we try to understand that customer um, and if you can as well, you might even, you know, be getting some insights for your, for your non-Chinese customers. Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, John. Much appreciated. And we're excited to see what's next for Alipay. Hey, thank you, Michelle. We appreciate all of the partnerships we've had with all the other Alipay team leadership and look forward to speaking in the future. And again, to everyone who's listening do reach out to the teams. It's a, it's a great bunch of people here in Melbourne, Auckland, and love to help. Thanks for listening to The Build Up by Alibaba Australia New Zealand, a guide to finding a way in the world of biz. Before you go and start building, hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. That way, more people like you are able to find us and listen too. To keep up, all of the exciting events happening in the world of global biz, follow Alibaba on Instagram and Facebook at alibaba.anz and subscribe to the Alibaba Made Easy email list at the link in this episode's description. Thanks again for listening and remember to never stop building your dreams.